Welcome to the Pilot Podcast. Where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and recap other shows to answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And this week we're checking out the new comedy drama, Ryan Murphy's The Politician. So stay tuned to the end to see how ruthless BJ was as a high schooler. I was actually student council treasurer every year in high school. That doesn't surprise me even a little bit. You did that when we were in college together. Oh, yeah, I was treasurer, and I was also on that finance committee. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I go into money management as a career? Yeah, you certainly keep those purse strings tight. So, Beach, what happened in this pilot episode? Sure. So, The Politician, as you might have guessed, is about a campaign, but this time we're looking at the race for student body president, and we follow our main character, Peyton Hobart who wants to be president because he wants to get into Harvard. Typical high school setup. He needs to pad his resume, and he thinks student body president is going to be the icing on the cake. We immediately find out that his close friend River is now running against him, which upsets him because he thinks that River is going to be stiff competition. We also are introduced to Peyton's campaign team, which includes his girlfriend, Alice, his friend, slash campaign manager James and his other campaign manager and advisor McAfee. And to add to the conflict of Peyton running against his friend, we also find out that his friend River is dating a girl named Astrid who seems to have hated Peyton since they were children. And so she's helping River become the best candidate and they recruit Skye to be his running mate. And this puts Peyton in a situation where he needs to find a running mate who will help improve his image so he has a shot at winning the campaign. So throughout the episode, it's a lot about Peyton trying to figure out what's going to get him votes, what's going to make him more appealing to the student body, and it also explores his relationship with his best friend, River. So what were your first thoughts on this show? I thought it was a classic Ryan Murphy joint. It was just over-the-top acting, over-the-top plot, over-the-top storylines, over-the-top consequences. Everything was highly consequential that these high schoolers were doing. And it also had the classic 30-year-olds playing 18-year-olds. And a song. I was like, Ryan and Brad, go ahead. And there's some elements from Scream Queens as well. So he's really incorporating everything he's known for into one show. It does feel like an attempted magnum opus. So with all of these over-the-top characters and plots and storylines that you mentioned, I think where it really stood out to me and showed off the Ryan Murphy flavor and style was when we saw Peyton and his family. So we have his mother, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, and he has twin brothers. And all of that just really felt like these bold characters that you would never meet in real life, but they fit so perfectly in this luxurious, uber-wealthy world that Peyton lives in. The funniest joke to me of this show was the fact that, I can't even say it, that his brothers are named Martin and Luther. And the other funniest part of the show to me is one, Gwyneth Paltrow is dipping into her goopiest self for this Georgina 
portrayal. And then also Peyton is trying to figure out how to get a running mate. And one of the people he's considering is Infinity Jackson, who is the girl at school who has a terminal illness. And so he believes that she will be the grounding relatable thing you root for in his campaign. And her grandmother, Dusty Jackson, is played by Jessica Lange, who also dives into her diva side. I'm not sure what it is, but I thought Dusty and Georgina were the standouts in this episode. So, BJ, this is classic Ryan Murphy pulling in elements from his other projects. Do you feel like it was too much? I'd hesitate to say too much, but I would agree in that it feels like Ryan Murphy introduced a lot of plot lines in this first episode. And this is only an eight-episode season, and so it really feels like he's trying to cram a lot in there when he doesn't necessarily need to include that much. I feel like we learned a lot about not only Peyton now running for student body president, but also Peyton 18 months ago. Mm -hmm. And maybe that could have been split up between episodes. We also are introduced to a lot of side characters, all the people surrounding Peyton, his campaign, his running mate, his potential running mates, who he talked to as well. So it's a lot bouncing around his relationship with River, River's relationship with his girlfriend, Peyton's relationship with his girlfriend. It's actually overwhelming me trying to describe all of the plot lines right now. (laughs) Also, every single character's relationship with themselves and their own mental health. Yeah. So it felt like it all connects, which is good. But maybe he could have slowly fed this to the audience. I go back and forth between thinking that this show is over the top and too many plot points, almost like spaghetti at the wall, overwhelming. Like you said, it was overwhelming to even try to think of all of the different plot points we were introduced to. Mm -hmm. But I also can't tell if he intentionally made it like that for Netflix Because the way that you binge Netflix shows is you miss stuff, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you're just watching some larger show and you're keeping up with the plot lines you care about, but you're just mindlessly watching a bunch of episodes. So I can't tell if he was trying to jazz it up for that purpose versus shows that are made for traditional television where you wait a week to find out what happens to your favorite character. I think he might have been trying to take advantage of it being on a streaming platform where he can be a little more flexible at the time. Mm -hmm. So even though he's sticking to a pretty traditional eight-episode streaming series. He did go over a typical one-hour show length if it was on network television, since he didn't have to deal with commercials. So he might be using that extra time to put in plot points, where if this was another network series on like ABC, NBC, or whatever, he would have to trim a lot of these due to time restraints. So he's taking advantage of both the fact that people can binge this and have their questions answered immediately of all of the different plot points he's introducing, but also taking advantage of the fact that he can literally introduce more stuff in this bigger window. That's what I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Although this first episode did not need to be over an hour. I agree. I think that he should have picked two or three winning interesting stories because I can't even tell what the most compelling storylines are for me because there were so many. So there was like one that stuck out to me, which is with Infinity, because it just reminds me of what's been happening in larger news. But other than that, I don't know. 
a plot line that stuck out to me was how running against his friend River was going to affect Peyton. And there was, no spoilers, a big twist that happens in the episode. And I thought this first episode could have ended there. I agree. I was actually surprised that it kept going and going. (laughs) And going. What a choice. There was a lot more plot after that. So Peyton, on the advice of his counsel, which is very funny, he seeks a running mate that makes him more relatable, that grounds him because he has a high GPA, comes from a wealthy family, is not remotely someone that you would feel sorry for or want to root for because you think this kid's already winning. But he was adopted, so he's half poor, half rich. They have no access to the adoptive mother, which is (laughs) what they were debating in one of the meetings. So he has to get a sympathetic character. To do that, he chatted with a bunch of students who were disabled and landed on a student with a terminal illness whom everyone roots for, Infinity Jackson. And immediately, you're flagged on her story with her nana. It looks exactly like the story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Listeners, if you're not familiar, please read the article about them in BuzzFeed by Michelle Dean. I haven't seen The Act yet, which is the show about them on Hulu, but I'm getting real Munchausen's by proxy vibes from the Nana. Yeah, it's made clear immediately that Infinity's grandmother is taking advantage of the sympathy. And she may be making it worse or making it up. I'm not sure. But that's why the story was interesting to me because I immediately thought of Gypsy Rose because Zoe Deutsch, to her credit, plays it an almost note-perfect parody of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. She's this very happy, grateful, loving character who is just thankful to still be alive and here with everyone for one more hour each day. (laughs) And that's why she has a fan page already. She was a solid choice for a running mate. Speaking of campaigns and the running mates, what did you think overall about the campaign strategies used in this student body race where they're trying to take advantage of people's illnesses, taking advantage of underrepresented sexual and gender minorities, taking advantage of topics on mental health and suicide? It seems like They're trying to hit every single target that might tug at heartstrings in an almost uncomfortable way. Yeah, it's interesting because this is where my confusion at having 30-year-olds play high schoolers and having, I assume, an older writing room frame the show. I don't think young people necessarily think of politics in this way. That's not what we're seeing from youth activists. So on the show, these presumably young people, these high school students, take this somewhat callous approach to campaigning. Ben Platt's character, Peyton Hobart, is trying to find a student with disabilities to be their running mate. River Barkley, played by David Cornsweat, takes a different approach with having the first gender nonconforming Black student be their running mate. And so it feels like they're trying to hit all the marks, as you said, but I don't think that's the youth approach to politics. They're clearly very issue-based. There are things that they rally around. And so this felt a little bit older than the people that they're trying to portray. And also what young people are seeing in politics right now is 
whether you agree with the politics of the White House or not, they saw someone who was in reality TV win the presidency. And so I feel like we're in a little bit of an anything can happen era. So I don't know why they would use traditional, we have to hit all these markets models. It seems like they're really looking only at the popularity aspect of elections, which to be fair is very important. For sure. But it doesn't seem like they are considering, or at least in this episode, talk about the other aspects of winning a race and campaigning. And I know that this show is supposed to be exaggeration because it's a comedy show. It's a heightened reality, but it felt very unrealistic. I can't imagine a group of 17-year-olds right now chatting with each other about how to hit certain demos. I think that's one of the things that reminds me of Scream Queens is that that world was not believable whatsoever. Yes. Unlike Glee, where you can kind of see it, obviously those musical numbers aren't realistic, but at least the rest of the school was somewhat believable. Sure. Nerds, jocks, music kids, etc. But then again, maybe we just don't know what the very, very, very wealthy are like. That's real. Because one thing that we noticed on this show is it's like Riverdale, where these students are left to their own devices with an unchecked amount of access to resources. Yeah, Peyton is the only one with confirmed parents. Yes, we haven't seen an adult figure check any of these kids. And it really stuck out a lot to me when Peyton went over to his girlfriend's home for dinner. It just kind of seemed like this... 17, 18-year-old girl just had a mansion to herself with staff. It's like the Riverdale's kids bunker that they all... (laughs) (laughs) That gross, unclean bunker that they did all their stuff in and took turns in, but like mansions in Santa Barbara. (laughs) I mean, I'd accept that. I would much rather mansions in Santa Barbara than a bunker. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. That says a lot about you. Oh, does it? So despite this world being so exaggerated and hard to believe, did you think that the cast portrayed the characters well? Did you buy each of their roles? I did. To me, the acting on the show matched the writing and matched the world. If you're not into this over-the-top world that they've created, this over-the-top writing, this unrealistic setting, then that's its own issue. But the acting was perfectly aligned with it all. Yeah, I was actually surprised, despite the storyline being so out there, that none of the actors were giving too much in a bad way. I feel like they really did settle into these roles, and it wasn't like caricatures. It's just, this is how these people would be in this very heightened reality. That's a good point, because you would think it'd be easy to just be dramatic and ridiculous, but... There's certainly a line there, and none of them crossed it with being too absurd to the point where I was pulled out of it. I would say factors in the show, the structure of it pulled me out a couple times. Like I said, with the campaign strategies, I just didn't believe that for young people. But the meetings that they had and them chatting with each other and playing that out, that didn't pull me out. True. The performances never pull you out of this world that we're in. It's really when you start to think too much about the premise and the setup. 
I want to know more about Astrid and Peyton and why they dislike each other. Because he talks about her as his nemesis, and we get background on his relationship with River, but we don't know why they inherently dislike each other. And it feels like it goes deeper than both of them just being successful students and rivals at their high school. Hopefully we'll get another flashback to explore that, the early days of Peyton and Astrid. After the flashback in the pilot episode, I couldn't tell what was present and what was past. I was so disoriented. It was confusing when we came back because the flashback was only 18 months prior, so no one looked different. Yeah. So then when they came back to the present, they didn't have any text come up on the screen, so it was a little unclear if we were done being in the past. Yes, maybe a more discerning viewer would have been better prepared, but BJ and I watched this a little late in the evening, and I was confused. Do you think Peyton should win, or do you want Peyton to win the president position? This is what's tough about this show for me, generally. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about any (laughs) of these people, (laughs) and I can't think of a non-harsh way to put it. Let me back up. Much like Peyton's committee council advised him, it's difficult for me to relate to 30-year-olds playing high school students who are all wealthy and have access to lots of great things and their biggest concerns are winning a high school election because they think that this determines the rest of their lives. So for example, I found Pen15 to be super relatable because even though it was about middle schoolers, their emotions and how they reacted to each other were emotions that I relate to. This show tries to talk about mental health, which affects everyone, but I don't like the way it portrayed it. And I think it would be difficult for the average viewer to see themselves in the characters. I agree. How did you feel about their portrayal of mental health on the show? I didn't like it in that the main portrayal and the main storyline involving mental health was introduced as part of a campaign speech or at a debate. Yeah. And it was a little unclear if this was a confession to actually help bring awareness to people or if it was solely to get sympathy. It was probably somewhere in between. But the fact that it was still leaning towards the sympathy side was very disturbing. It's still good that that's being made a conversation for people. Of course. There could just be more likable ways of easing that into a scene. Also, this is another show we're seeing, like Perfect Harmony, that had a traumatic event happen that has to do with mental health with no call to action at the end of the episode. So when you start The Politician, it has a warning. What you will see might disturb you, but... There's no, if you need help, call this number or if any of this triggered you. And in the world of the show, they don't really acknowledge it after that main scene. No. Which is unfortunate. It feels like an oversight and it is ambitious for a show that caters to a world of young people to talk about mental health. Young people want to talk about mental health, but to do it like this, I didn't like it. Yeah, let's be optimistic and hope in further episodes, they'll kind of come back to this conversation. I do think that they are intentional in how callously they display conversations of mental health in relation to the campaigns, because they're showing 
how ruthless everyone is. So it makes sense within the world. But I think there's also just a general sense of responsibility you should have when you put stuff out to tons of people. Beach, do you have any predictions for what might come next? This was a wild ride. I'm interested to see what the running mates are going to do, because typically they are kind of the side character, second in line, literally second in line, but they might not get as much spotlight. So I want to see what this show is going to do with Infinity and Sky, and if they really will get a chance to be developed and well-rounded. Ooh, like if they'll play just as dirty as the first names on their tickets. They must be willing to play the game if they join the ticket. So we'll see how far they're going to go. I anticipate them playing dirty. I anticipate some wild out there storylines of what the campaign councils will do. We've already seen that Peyton's girlfriend is willing to go through a lot in order to try to help him win this election. And like I said, I see some Gypsy Rose plot happening with Infinity. I think they're trying to make a pretty direct correlation between those stories. So you ready to head into our rating? Yes. Beej, what would you give Netflix's The Politician? I would rate The Politician would not watch again. Whoa. I am not that interested in fictional politics because real politics is already too much for me. That's real. And while I do like Ryan Murphy's past work, I don't think this has enough of the fun element that I'm used to with Glee or Scream Queens. And so I think I'm going to have to pass unless maybe you tell me that it's worth coming back to. What do you think? So I'm a bit surprised to hear you say that. I think if you're a Ryan Murphy Hive member, then you should give this show a shot. You're in the Hive. I'm not in the Hive. You like Pose. That is a Ryan Murphy joint. I might be Hive. If you want a good over-the-top show, just watch Pose. But I think with The Politician, for me and for potentially the average viewer, it was difficult for me to get into it. The characters weren't that relatable. I wasn't that interested in how things turn out for them. And it was too many plot lines for me to even determine. But I genuinely think he wrote this with streaming in mind. So if you're Ryan Hive, I could see you enjoying binging all of these episodes and watching the adventures unfold. But for me, I'm out. I would not watch again. I'm shocked. I know. I really don't like to give that rating, but this doesn't make the cut for me. Not even for the goop? Not even for the goop. I was not gooped by goop. Shout out to Moni Cart. Well, if you want to find some other shows where maybe we were gooped by the goop, head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. And be sure to leave us a rating and review. It helps others discover us. And consider supporting us at patreon.com slash thepilotpod. You'll get access to exclusive episodes, polls, AMAs, and merch. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can like us on Facebook at The Pilot Podcast. You can send thoughts, feelings, show suggestions, recommendations, questions, meal prep recipes, dreams that you've had that you're questioning to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.